It's September 19th, and the controversy of the week was during last Sunday's Music Video Awards. Rapper Kanye West snatched the microphone away from Best Female Video Award winner Taylor Swift in the middle of her acceptance speech to sing the praises of the video of Beyonce Knowles, another singer who had not won in that category. Not cool. But that's showbiz today. Everyone has an opinion. Today is also the last day of the Toronto International Film Festival, and once again, controversy takes the center stage. The festival has the new City to City program, which delves into specific urban locales where there is interesting filmmaking happening. The problem? Well, the organizer's inaugural choice, Tel Aviv. That's a problem among those who believe that Israel is a police state. Before you know it, filmmakers are withdrawing their films from the festival. There's a letter circulating saying that the festival has been taken over by the Israeli propaganda machine. And Palestinian journalists and filmmakers are calling for a boycott of the film festival. Now, I don't know about this, but does boycotting the festival really do anything? Isn't this just fanning the flames of division instead of trying to bring Jews and Palestinians together? What would have happened if the city to be highlighted had been Gaza? Once again, rather than finding a way to bring both sides together, scandal has led to more division. Is this the new activism? Letter writing and boycotts? Maybe I'm short-sighted, but I don't think that type of action helps anyone. Perhaps the festival organizers are short-sighted and should have highlighted Palestinian and Jewish filmmakers together. Or perhaps they should have made sure that Kanye West was available to express his own opinion on the matter. That may have diverted attention from their short-sightedness. Who says that the world of arts and entertainment is boring? I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Chris Dimitrenko. Today on your program, we speak to pro-life speaker Rebecca Kiesling. Rebecca was conceived when her mother was raped. And she will be in uh, Ontario next week to speak off to speak at several kickoff uh, rallies for the 40 Days for Life campaign. And we'll be speaking to her in about 15 minutes. And Chris is here with our news. And uh, a few stories we're going to be talking about. We're going to update everyone on the situation with our minority government. Will it fall? Uh, will it be propped up by one of the minority parties? Uh, also, we're going to talk about the latest regarding uh, the Society of St. Pius X, the uh, traditionalist, the traditionalists who are in a dialogue right now with the Vatican, and that dialogue will be beginning very, very soon on doctrinal issues. And also speaking about, uh, we spoke about it last week, a controversy surrounding uh, Father Thomas Rizika, the CEO of Salt and Light Television, and comments he has made about uh, civility in the pro-life movement. Yes, a story that keeps growing and mm -hmm. growing. But mm -hmm. before we go to the news, Chris, let's begin with a song. Now, as you know, Chris, this is a Canadian radio program. So it's not every day that we can get the chance to play Cuban music and mm. I know you're a fan I've seen you when you don't think anybody's watching you salsa know, listen, dancing listening to your mm -hmm. Cuban salsa music but our featured artist today is Tara Fernandez 
who um, but, sh- but she's not coming to us as a musician she's coming to us as a musicologist she has a she just finished doing her master's degree looking at Cuban liturgical music um, so let's start by listening to one of these songs here is Alleluia a Cristo Rey which means Alleluia to Christ the King by Disnarda Elena Gutierrez from Cuba <laughs> Repica el bongo, se cruza la lira, se toca el tambor, se oye la trompeta y canta el violín, se escuchan las claves y hasta el cornetín, que canten las aves, que cante el amor, que cante mi hermano y así alabará al Señor. Que canten las aves, que cante el amor, que cante mi hermano y así alabará al Señor. Aleluya y gloria a Dios, alabanza a mi Señor, aleluya al Cristo Rey del Universo. Aleluya y gloria a Dios, alabanza a mi Señor, aleluya al Cristo Rey del Universo. Sabes que cante el amor, que cante mi hermano y así alabará al Señor. Que cante las aves, que cante el amor, que cante mi hermano y así alabará al Señor. That was Alleluia. Cristo Rey, or Alleluia to Christ the King, by Cuban Catholic artist Disnarda Elena Gutierrez. And we'll be talking about Cuban liturgical music in the second half of the program. But now, Chris, to the news. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about Parliament uh, here in Canada. And I know there isn't a lot of reporting in the United States about the Canadian political situation. In fact, uh, the day that that Stephen Harper, our Prime Minister, met with Barack Obama, um, I mean, it was all over the Canadian news websites and as the top headline of the day. I uh, looked at CNN and their list of headlines because they have about you know, 15 headlines that you can look at and didn't even make the was top no 15. <laughs> nowhere to be found. Uh, no, no. People were people were talking about uh, Barack Obama and his comment made off the record about uh, Kanye West. Everyone has an opinion. That's what people were talking about. Yes, no, but not about uh, our Prime Minister Stephen Harper. But if you're interested in Canadian politics, and you should be because it's been very interesting the last uh, couple of years because we're in a minority government and that means that the majority... Uh, led by Prime Minister Stephen Harper of the Conservative Party, they need help from another party to to basically continue continue governing because we have these confidence votes. Meaning, if all the other parties say we uh, say we we don't have confidence in the government, it means we're having yet another election, and so we've had quite a few. Yeah, we've had four in the last five years mm-hmm. or something. But so so, and there we just actually had it. I don't know if it was a confidence vote, but a bill that may have been. Uh, supported or not supported by some of the other parties. In fact, that's what happened, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and it seems that that uh, you know, even though it was just last week that we were saying that the Liberal Party was preparing for an election, it seems that the New Democrat Party doesn't want an election. Uh, they're they've they've slipped down to twelve percent in the polls, and they've decided they're going to support the Conservatives because they want to. Uh, they want to support uh, legislation around employment insurance for to help unemployed workers, 
And uh, on top of that, the Bloc Québécois, which is a separatist party in, in Canada, they want uh, they want the province of Quebec to separate. They also want to support the Conservative government for the time being because of a $1.3 billion home renovation tax credit. So you get a tax credit uh, if you want to, do, want to do renovations on your home. Yes. It's a way of supporting the, the economy here in Canada. And uh, it's very, very popular. And so they want to support this. So it doesn't look like we're having an election just yet. So uh, for, the, for the time being, then these two parties, the Bloc Québécois and the NDP, seem to be supporting the government. And this is not quite supporting, but the Vatican is uh, inviting the Pius X Society in for talks mm -hmm. uh, coming up in October. That's right. This is a, a breakaway society. Four bishops were excommunicated in 1988 uh, for ordinations that the Pope did not approve. They didn't approve the ordinations of these bishops. Uh, however, the Pope lifted those excommunications in 1988 to bring this group of people back into uh, back mm -hmm. into the fold, um, the bishops back into communion with Rome, and some of the issues that still need to be worked out, though, before full communion is achieved between the Church and the Society of St. Pius X involve uh, uh, the Second Vatican Council and the Church's position in terms of Judaism, other non-Christian religions, acknowledging that God can still work through those religions. Yes. Uh, and the dialogue that exists right now between the Church and those religions, as well as religious freedom as a basic human right. And uh, it was announced by the Vatican Press Office that these, these discussions with the Church's Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith will be going on at, th at the last two weeks of October. And uh, also, uh, the Vatican Press Office revealed the three Vatican representatives, a Dominican, a Jesuit, and someone from Opus Dei, Father Charles Morey-Road, Jesuit Joseph Becker, and from Opus Dei, Father Ocariz Brana. So this is a story that we'll certainly keep our eyes on for uh, October to see what, uh, what comes out of this uh, important meeting. Um, so that's the news for now. Thank you, Chris. Chris will return in a little bit with our main story of the day, the continuing saga of this uh, Father Thomas Rosica, our CEO's uh, comments uh, regarding the Ted Kennedy funeral. Uh, Father Thomas Rosica was on the Catholic Channel on the uh, Bob Dunning show across the nation, and we'll be uh, talking a little bit about that. Thank you, Chris. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Michelle Nuzzo to bring you the events. And there's lots going on. As always, we begin with um, British Columbia. The Western Conference for Liturgy is happening in Abbotsford, British Columbia, from October 2nd to 4th. So if you play a role in liturgy at your parish or on a larger scale and would like to gain a better understanding of pastoral approaches to implementing the general instruction of the Roman Missal and the New Ordo Missa, this just might be for you. If you live out west, check out your diocesan or archdiocesan websites for more information. That's really interesting. It is, yeah. yes. In Edmonton, the official gala launch of the Cornerstone of Faith campaign is on Tuesday, September 22nd at the Shaw Conference Center. All proceeds go to completing construction of the new St. Joseph Seminary and Newman Theological College. Also, uh, Cardinal Francis George, Archbishop of Chicago and President of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, will be the special guest speaker. And you will also enjoy the 
cast stylings of PJ Perry, and a portion of the ticket price is tax deductible. So by attaining the gala, you're contributing in a very concrete way to the formation of priests to serve in our parishes and to the education of lay leaders. So uh, check out Edmonton's Archdiocesan website for more information on the gala launch of the Cornerstone of Faith. Yes, for sure. If you're in Edmonton, go out and support the uh, building of the seminary. Very, very important Definitely. that we support our priests, especially exactly. this year, the year for priests. Exactly. So if you want to do anything for the year for priests and you live in Edmonton, this is your chance. You'll get to meet a lot of these seminarians because they will yes. be there. And I'm sure they're so eager to meet their uh, future parishioners. Yes. Uh, also happening in Edmonton is Scripture Fest 2009 with the theme, The Promise and Coming of Christ. That's Friday, Saturday, September 25th and 26th at St. Teresa's Parish. So, Chris, sorry, Scripture Fest 2009 will also launch Year 2 of Nothing More Beautiful, which is a year devoted to encountering anew the beauty of Christ. So, Salt and Light has been following yes. the uh, Nothing More Beautiful series when they started in Year 1, and we will continue to do more Second of the same. Second season begins. Mm -hmm. We're big fans of Nothing more beautiful that's so, right uh, stay tuned on stay salt tuned. and light television for the uh, uh tv broadcast of these sessions if you're not in edmonton and you're not able to see them live and the featured speaker for scripture fest is dr edward sri a nationally known catholic speaker who appears regularly on ewtn and is the author of several books including two catholic bestsellers i'm sure you may have heard of them the new rosary and scripture biblical insights for praying the 20 mysteries and the da vinci deception 100 questions about the facts and fiction of the da vinci code so again visit your uh, archdiocesan website or call your archdiocese directly for more information World Youth Day 2011 information session for Edmonton is happening Tuesday, September 29th at the Catholic Pastoral Center in Edmonton in the Assembly Hall. So if you're planning on going, you're thinking of going, your family's thinking of going, friends are thinking of going, bring everybody there um, Tuesday, September 29th. And again, there's more info on the Archdiocesan website. Calgary's Life Chain is happening October 4th, 2.30 to 3.30 on McLeod Trail. This is your chance to join hundreds of Calgarians from various Christian faith communities to form a chain around the entire city of Calgary in protest against abortion. For more information, go to lifechaincalgary.org. And again, this is an event that is happening throughout the country and I actually believe throughout the continent in, in the United States as well. And uh, as we approach the October 4th date, we will be giving more details uh, to you. But uh, basically, it's happening in your city. I can guarantee it wherever you are in Canada. So uh, look it up. Uh, Life Chain, great, great cause, October 4th. So thank you, Michelle. Michelle will be back uh, in a little bit. This is Salt and Light Radio. It's the only Canadian Catholic radio program heard weekly on the Catholic Channel Series 159 and XM 117 and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. A few years ago, I had the pleasure of listening to a pro-life speaker who really made me think about our ideas about abortion very differently. And I'm very happy to welcome to Salt and Light Radio pro-life, pro-adoption speaker and attorney, Rebecca Kiesling, who was conceived when her mother was raped. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio, Rebecca. Thank you. So, t tell us about the circumstances of your conception. Well, I learned about these details when I was 19, mm -hmm. and my birth mother um, was abducted. She was just heading to the grocery store down the street from her home, and a serial rapist um, jumped out of the bushes 
and dragged her to a field. And then she basically described for me how she was brutally raped. And that's how I was conceived. So this is, this is not the most usual uh, date rape uh, circumstance. This was no, a, I mean a, a horrible experience. I, I guess what some would say, this was a worst-case scenario. Worst-case scenario. And, and uh, what some people say also is that it's actually quite unusual to become pregnant after a, a, a situation like that. Is that correct? Or I know it I've is, though there are many of us <laughs> alive today. Yes. Because, or uh, the, uh, the who were conceived through rape? Because that's not very common. I mean, we don't hear... I think you were the first person that I had heard um, who, who openly spoke about their conception because of well, rape. Now on my website, I actually have a page dedicated to stories of people who were conceived in rape and women who became pregnant out of rape, Yes. along with some of the statistical information. Right. And it, it is a lot more common than you think. Yeah, I guess it's not the kind of thing that people go around sharing with, uh, with just anybody. How yeah. do you feel... How do you feel when you hear people say that abortion should be uh, legal I only in cases of rape or incest? You know, that seems to be like the argument. Only in oh. cases of rape or incest. It hurts. <laughs> it really hurts. I mean, that is my life that people just so flippantly talk about. And I know that people think that that is the compassionate position to take. But it's really pretty cold-hearted from my perspective. Because, again, that's my life that they're talking about. Right, so you, you would see that as a, as a death sentence. Oh, yeah. I mean, my birth mother went to two back alley abortionists, and I was almost aborted. Mm -hmm. And really the only reason I'm alive today is because of pro-life advocates who, without even knowing of my existence, recognized that mine was a life worth saving. And they made sure abortion was illegal in Michigan at that time, even in cases of rape. And how do you, I mean, I, I think it's easier, for, <laughs> it's easier for you to have this conversation because it's such a personal thing for you, but someone like me, and I'm a guy, and I always, always feel like, like men, men are not given permission to have an opinion about abortion. So what you is know, so You know what I hear from college students is that they ask me, what do I say? You know, these, these girls on campus will say, well, exactly. you know, you don't have a womb, you'll never be pregnant, so you have no say. Exactly. And I tell them, you know, your response would, would be, you were never targeted for abortion, so you have no say. I mean, right. you know, I was targeted for abortion, and there were all, there's all these other people who are targeted for abortion, and they don't have anybody speaking for them. So when someone says to me, well, I think abortion should be illegal, except in cases of rape. Think of the poor woman who was raped. What should I respond, other than saying, I'd like you to talk to my friend Rebecca? <laughs> <laughs> what can I say to those people? Well, first of all, you know, acknowledge that I, un I understand you want to be a person of compassion, and you think that that is the compassionate position to take. But, you know, it's really not at all compassionate for people who are conceived in rape. I mean, to say that their life was garbage, that they weren't worthy of living, that their life was not worthy of protection. And, when they, and when they say, well, that, that, that child, you know, it, it's just a, uh, a bunch of cells, they wouldn't even know whether they were alive or not, then what do we respond to that? Well, we do know that they're alive. I mean, even in fertility clinics, I learned this when I had the frozen embryo case in Michigan, you know, even at one cell, the doctors acknowledge that they are living human beings, mm -hmm. they were able to go in a day after 
they, you know, introduced the egg and the sperm, they went in to see how many had been created, mm-hmm. and they can't create it. It's still created by God, but they went in to see how many embryos were created, and then they had to ascertain which ones were alive and which ones were dead. Uh-huh. I mean, they can literally tell which embryos are living and which are dead. They right. are living human beings. So the medical profession acknowledges that, that uh, after conception there is life and it's a human life yeah they're not inanimate objects and they're not dead no they're living and they are human no yeah just a note for anyone who might be joining the program now you're listening to salt and light radio i'm pedro guevara man and we're speaking with rebecca kiesling she's a pro-life pro-adoption speaker um who was conceived uh during rape now rebecca Um, and and let me add one more thing about the compassion yeah is that it's not even compassionate for the woman all of the major research that's been done shows that the women who give birth, whether they place for adoption or parent, are far more better off. They express that there was something very healing of having something beautiful come out of something very awful. But the ones who have the abortion are far worse off. They have a higher murder rate because the abortion helps perpetuate abusive relationships, higher yeah. rate of suicide drug overdose, domestic violence, divorce, broken relationships, depression, suicide, and on and on. Yeah. But people don't do the research. They just assume yes. that she would be better off. Yeah. Well, I wanted to, to ask you about that exactly, and I'm sure that you and your birth mother had spoken about this. Yeah. And when I've heard you tell your story, you talk about how being conceived in rape is actually a story of hope. Why is that? Mm. Well... I suppose if I can overcome learning that I was conceived in rape, then uh, other people can realize their value. I mean, speaking to, uh, at high school assemblies, speaking to students pretty regularly, one thing I I hear from students is that they feel worthless for Mm -hmm. a variety of reasons, because of the way they look or because of their grades or they don't excel in sports. They're just not meeting the success model that's set up by our society. Right. Or their parents have put them down and other people put them down and they feel worthless. Right. And so I am able to explain to them that what I learned, that my value is not based upon those things Mm -hmm. and that I'm not worthless, I'm priceless. (laughs) And right. so are you. Yes. Based on the fact that we're created by God, we're children of God. We're and that, that you know what? Jesus paid an infinite yes. price Amen. for our lives, didn't he? Yes, he did. The price has already been paid. Now, Rebecca, you're, you're going to be here in Canada uh, in a couple places, in Kitchener for the kickoff to the 40 Days for Life campaign in Kitchener and in Toronto. Can you tell us a little bit about the 40 Days for Life event? Uh, It's something that our listeners are familiar with, but maybe a a reminder. uh, Mm -hmm. What is the event and and what's its significance? Well, the 40 Days actually commences on September 23rd. So I'll be speaking at a kickoff rally on the 21st in Kitchener and the 22nd in Toronto. And it is... um, well, there's one location that's 24 hours, and there's also another location that's not. But it's it's intended to be complete coverage at abortion clinics, um, prayer and fasting, a quiet vigil, and um, you know just to take a stand. And it is going on worldwide. Yes. There's a 40daysforlife.com 
or is it dot org? Oh, I think it's dot com. I think it's dot com, com yes. Yes, and then you can... Then find that the, the there's respective cities. So if you are uh, in Kitchener or in Toronto or in it, there's actually seven locations across Canada, Montreal, Fredericton, Winnipeg, and others, and, and all throughout the states as well. You can just fu- go to the website, 40daysforlife.com, and find the city. Um, if you're interested in... Uh, if you're in Kitchener or, or in Toronto and are interested in listening to Rebecca speak, she will be in Kitchener at the kickoff on the 21st. Uh, so that's on Monday. And then the in Toronto on the 22nd, the Tuesday, um, uh, the event in Toronto is at 7 p.m. at the Canadian Christian College. And that's the and kickoff rally. Sorry, go ahead. And I'll also be at University of Toronto yes. Wednesday night and at University of Waterloo Thursday night. Yes, yeah, so those are two events that are sponsored by the National Campus uh, Life Network, uh, NCLN, and you can get more information about those, Rebecca, at the NCLN website. Um, just people can do a, a, an internet search for NCLN, National Campus Life Network in Canada, and, and to get more information about that. Rebecca, that's all the time we have. But thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and, and sharing a little bit of your story with us. You know, thanks for defending my life. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's something that we are uh, happy to do. Um, and uh, so we've, we've been hearing from Rebecca Kiesling. She's a pro-life, pro-adoption speaker. She's an attorney. She's a, a mother of uh, uh, five children, is it, Rebecca? Yes. Um, and a couple of them are adopted. So uh, th- there's, there's a walking the talk right there. Um, if you want to find out more about Rebecca and her story, you can also go to her website, RebeccaKiesling.com. That's Rebecca with two Cs, Kiesling, K-I-E-S-S-L-I-N-G.com. But a link to that website is also posted on our website, saltandlighttv.org. Once again, Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us. Okay, thank you so much, Pedro. And if you'd like to comment on anything you heard on this program, please send us an email to radio at saltandlighttv.org. We love your messages in a little bit. Chris will return with more news. But first, here's another song, another one from Cuba. This one's a bit more traditional. It's called Alabanza del Señor, which means Praise of the Lord, by a group called Querigma.
corazón. That was Kerigma from Cuba with their song Alabanza del Señor, which translates to Praise of the Lord. In a little bit, we'll be speaking with Cuban liturgical music specialist Tara Fernandez. But now, here, back with us, is Chris with some more news. That's right, Pedro. We wanted to talk a little bit more about uh, LifeSite News and Father Thomas Rosica, who uh, we should say is the CEO of Salt and Light Television. Mm -hmm. And uh, Father Rizika went on the Across the Nation show, which is on right here on the Catholic Channel here on, S on Sirius Radio, uh, and spoke with Bob Dunning about this, this controversy. Uh, Father Rizika had written a blog saying that, that some of these, these critics of Cardinal O'Malley and, uh, and critics of the Kennedy funeral, and in general, the pro-life community, sometimes their language can be divisive and sometimes um, can hurt the unity of the church. Father Rizika made specific reference to LifeSiteNews.com and some of their reporting. And uh, this is from the transcript of the interview Father Tom said, Some of the people involved are some very fine souls, meaning well, but they are wreaking division and havoc, not only in the church in Canada, but throughout North America. And he went on to say that they're not an authentic instrument at the service of unity, at the service of of the church and he's speaking specifically about uh, the tendency of, of some of the art articles on the site to uh, certainly not give bishops the benefit of the doubt uh, to heavily criticize Catholic leadership and uh, and he said regarding regarding this uh, I think we have to be very clear and say that the part of the work of Satan is to divide and he means you know to pit people against each other and they are succeeding quite well, he went on to say. And uh, also even trying to pit Salt and Light Television against EWTN, mm -hmm. uh, the American Catholic Television Network. Well, LifeSite News ended up uh, reporting on, on Father Rizika's comments with a headline that said, uh, Salt and Light's Father Rizika says LifeSite News is doing the work of Satan. And, uh, and of course, if we go back to the quote, he didn't actually say that they're doing the work of Satan. He said that the part of the work of Satan is Divisive. to divide. Uh, certainly, um, we've gotten a lot of feedback from this. And, s and for people who did get the impression that, we, that Salt and Light and Father Rizika was saying that, that uh, LifeSite News was somewhat satanic, uh, we received one comment that said, uh, uh, the subject line of this email we received, Father Rosica is a true disciple of Satan. Um, uh, Father Rosica uh, is always prowling, attacking, and attempting to divide faithful Catholics uh, who don't subscribe to his phony liberal Catholicism. May your father, the devil, take you soon, uh, going on to, to put him in company with uh, Hitler and Stalin and all other lost souls and unfortunately from from some of these reports people are getting the the impression uh, that Father Rizika who's done a lot of work for the pro-life cause is is somehow a, a pro-choice priest and so we really see uh, which is certainly not the case and uh, we're really seeing here a breakdown and and a lot of confusion going on uh, with this issue it's actually very sad, Chris. I don't know. I, I listen to this and I'm feeling sadder and sadder because um, to create confusion, I think it's also 
uh, the work of the devil. And mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes, uh, again, I don't want people to put words in my mouth to say that people are doing the work of the devil. But when we divide and when we confuse, we're certainly not helping the cause. I, I've said this before on my opening commentary last week and, and this week again, similar. Um, but uh, lots of great things happening in the pro-life uh, world. We, we spoke to Rebecca Kiesling uh, mm -hmm. earlier today and 40 days for life is coming up and uh, life chain is coming up as well and and certainly you know salt and light television you know will continue to partner with uh campaign life coalition certainly. here here in canada um we did so with the march for life 2009 and we're going to be doing so again uh, on october 4th with the life chain and this is something that is happening throughout north america and it will be happening again uh, again in canada in a number of different cities including in toronto mm -hmm. at, at i believe the busiest intersection in all of Canada, Young and, young, uh, young and Dundas. Young and Dundas. Young and Dundas. Dundas I knew Square. that. Just a few blocks actually from Salt and Light's office. So I think that will be a good opportunity, even those people who have differences of opinions in terms of, uh, in terms of the, the approach and the kind of dialogue and discussion we should be having involving pro-life issues. We're all going to be standing there side by side in silent witness, and uh, I'm going to be there too. Yeah, very true. And we will remind you uh, as we get closer to that October 4th date, Life Chain, big event across the country, across the world, I think, as well. Uh, so thank you, Chris. Uh, that was our Salt and, Light, Salt and Light Radio News producer, Chris Dimitrenko. If you like to comment on anything you hear on our program, send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Hi, this is Dennis Grady, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. Most of us don't know much about Cuba, except that it is a communist country. Perhaps you know then that as a communist country, the Catholic Church was for a great part of the last century very much an underground church. Now, but there's one other thing that I think a lot of people know, and is that great music comes out of Cuba. But Catholic music? or religious music? Tara Fernandez, who has spent the last six years of her life studying Cuban and sacred music, is someone who is joining us now in the studio. On the phone, Tara, hello. Hello. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Tara, you're not, you're not Latin American. <laughs> you're not I'm Hispanic. <laughs> you're actually of East Indian descent. That's right. So what led you to, uh, you know, how did you end up in Cuba doing research for uh, Cuban popular sacred music? Well, uh, in 2004, I received a scholarship from the Cuban government and a program called the Catedral Internacional de mm -hmm. Artes Plásticas y Música, and it led me to study there for about two and a half years. And during that time, I actually had, I guess, a reconversion to the Catholic faith Okay. and started attending churches. And uh, when I had the chance to do um, uh, a master's degree, in music, I wanted to use my experience in Cuba, and I thought, well, you know, what, 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 you know, hasn't, what has there not been much said about? And uh, I thought, you know, Cuban sacred music, or we call it, it's actually called in Spanish, música sacra popular, or okay. popular sacred popular music, sacred music yeah. uh, is something that no one's really written anything about. And I thought, you know, well, you know, how interesting, because there's so many different kinds of music yeah. in Cuba many different religions in Cuba, but really mm -hmm. not very many people have spent time paying attention to, to music from the no, Catholic Church. No, certainly, and that's not something we, we necessarily think about. Now, we have, uh, had we have been listening to some of the songs. We've heard two songs so far, and mm -hmm. I, I think to, to someone who doesn't understand the lyrics, perhaps, it might just sound exactly like 
Latin music or Cuban music. So it doesn't sound sacred. So right. how would you define Cuban popular sacred music? Well, I guess, what you know, it? how in Canada and the United States we have uh, what's known as CCM or contemporary Christian music. Yeah. Popular sacred music would be, you know, essentially the equivalent to CCM in Cuba and Latin America. So this is music that people plays on the radio, for example? No, you wouldn't actually hear it on the radio, especially not in a country like Cuba. Because of the, the, the government. Because of, because of the government, there's really not a lot of support for it um, there, you know, but musicians themselves have been recording and just performing. Um, they have a festival every year in Matanzas, Veradero, uh -huh. which is a very touristy town, mm -hmm. uh, for popular sacred music, where new composers can display their, comp their compositions and compete with each other. Um, and there are little prizes that you win, sort of like little statuettes, like, like right. a Grammy. Like but a <laughs> so, but how would you, uh, what would you say is the difference between this sacred music and secular popular music? Because it sounds the same. Well, aesthetically, yes, it does. It sounds very much the same, but I guess the lyrics are really what sets it apart. Okay. That, and I guess your, your intent when you're playing it. Like, a lot of times in secular music, it's oftentimes, like, you'll hear um, people soloing or really, like, a display of, you know, um, just, like, virtuosity mm -hmm. as a musician. But you don't really hear that in secular, uh, sorry, in, in popular sacred. sacred music because just... The average everyday Cubans are the ones who are performing this music. Right. Now, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Uh, my name is Pedro Guevara Man, and we're speaking with Tara Fernandez about Cuban music, sacred, popular music. I, I, I'm going to say it's Catholic music, mm -hmm. Cuban Catholic music. Um, now, uh, uh, Tara, I know that for anything in Cuba to really work, it has to have the government support. Um, and you just said that this music doesn't play on the radio. Um, however, the church in Cuba has managed to survive or thrive, I think, without the support of the government. So this music, how do these artists then, how does the music get recorded? Do they have the support of the church or is it just like an underground thing or how does it work? Well, I mean, all along, I think um, uh, it's, it's been happening underground. People have been composing. But when it actually comes to recording, there are very few studios uh, or at least government studios in Cuba, and none of them will really support this music. But mm -hmm. a lot of people have had to open, you know, small private underground studios in their homes okay. using home equipment, or even foreigners who come into the country who are allowed to record okay. oftentimes help, you know, Cubans in that sense by, you know, um, just acquiring studio time and bringing people in. Or um, sometimes they even have, you know, any tracks that uh, that have been recorded sent out of the country to places like Miami or so it gets recorded abroad the states yeah that's right it gets reproduced abroad now we've been talking about recording it but how important is it that the music gets recorded is that the only way that that the music uh, is is used or is, how does how else can it reach uh, Cuban Catholic communities like is do they use this music in, in worship for example they do you oftentimes do hear you know a lot of these songs in church, um, probably at, the, at least uh, you know a lot of the older music um, from one of the pioneers. Her name was Perlita Moray, and you often hear her uh -huh. her compositions in church and such. But again, at, during festivals, and you can often find people selling you know bootleg copies of these CDs or burnt CDs that um, I guess people take and you know listen to at home, and they're sold for very cheap. And that's one of the main ways that this music 
kind of spreads throughout Cuba. A lot of the recordings I acquired were just from copies of copies. So Right. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you found yourself drawn to the church or, or drawn back to the church while you were in Cuba. What was it about the Catholic Church there that allowed you to have that, I guess, rebirth or that experience of being called back? Well, let me say first off, like when I first was studying in Cuba, I really didn't even think that the Catholic Church was still active or that it, I thought they were just empty and, you know, uh, I really had a, a different sense of religion there. But, you know, after being there for a while, I once walked by a church and uh, just, you know, the serenity, the, the solemnity of it just drew me indoors and I realized there's a whole, you know, large Catholic community, um, very welcoming, mm -hmm. uh, very warm, very fervent in many ways. And uh, that's something I, I guess I really missed because, you know, being away from home, you know, that sense of community and a family. Right. Uh, wonderful priest there. And um, I actually had a chance uh, when I was back doing research last year to attend the ordination of the first Cuban Catholic saint, oh, Father yes. Jose Olayo. Olayo, yes. And I was just amazed at the amount of people gathered there. Not all of them were practicing Catholics, but, you know, it was just, it was held in a plaza in uh, Camagüey. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, the amount of people who came out for the ordination ceremony, um, I'm sorry, not the ordination ceremony. The canonization. The canonization ceremony, that's right. It was it was amazing, and it, you know it, there were a lot of youth there as well. It is, it is, and you know what? We had our eyes on that event all the way from here. Um, that event, to some degree, had government support. That did. Yeah, so that's, that's right. very interesting. That's right. Even uh, Fidel Castro's brother was there. Yes, he was. Now <laughs> let, let's to go back to the music for an event like that, because mm -hmm. there was a lot of music at that event. It was a mass for the main event, which is a mass. But I believe there was also a festival that was attached to it. W would a lot of that music have been Cuban music written by Cubans? Maybe music written specifically for that event? Yes, absolutely. Uh, they had something very special, which was, I guess, uh, a theme song to Jose Olayo in in I guess based on uh, the song Guantanamera. Yes. Which is very popular and. Yes. Yes, a lot of that music, it was, you know, a good example of what you'd call a popular sacred yes. music, you know, incorporating the Cuban rhythms mm -hmm. in a sacred context. Yeah. So. Now, uh, again, we've heard two songs, Alleluia, um, A Cristo Rey, and Alabanza del Señor, which sound to me, and I am Latin American, they sound to me mm -hmm. fairly Latin, typically Latin American music, typically Cuban music. Mm -hmm. But there are also other songs, and we're going to leave our, our viewers with, our listeners sorry, with an, another song. It's called Todavía. It sounds a little different. It's very contemporary. It almost sounds like, I don't know, like something you would listen to on the radio and you kind of, you know, soft sounds of the night. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, is that also a typical, like in terms of musical styles, we're not talking about any particular style here. It's just any style or... No, no, well, Todavía is more of a, I guess, like a contemporary rock song. Yes. And, uh, you like know, a ballad, you yeah, rock yeah. ballad. That's right. You, you kind of, you get that, that's something that's very new in Cuba. Well, not very new, but I guess very underplayed in Cuba. I mean, you can hear tons of son or any of the popular, like, salsa kind of styles, but rock is something that's very underground okay. in Cuba. And um, even if you listen to the lyrics, of Todavía, it's not blatantly Christian, but, you know, you can interpret in there, there's definitely, you know, a very positive or yes. Christian message. Yes, yes. Well, Tara, that's all the time that we have. But thank you so much for, for uh, bringing this to us.
to our attention and, and sharing a little bit about your, your uh, musical expertise. Thank um, you. Thank you for letting me get this out there. No, for sure. Cuban Catholic music. Whoever thought. Yeah. Um, that was Tara Fernandez. She's a musicologist specialized in Cuban sacred music. Uh, as we said before, we heard two songs already, um, but we're going to play something that's a little different. This is more of a rock ballad. It's, it's by a group called Ojarasca, and it's called Todavía, which means still, as in we still believe. Todavía en el fondo no nos explicamos qué pudo pasar Porque cambiamos tanto si al inicio no nos fue tan mal Todavía en el fondo todos soñamos con la eternidad Aunque las despedidas sean tan reales como el despertar Todavía en lo interno y es voces gritando lo puedes hacer Todavía en el fondo te sigues creyendo que todos te ven Todavía peleas, pues sea lo que sea prefieres volver Todavía en el fondo Sigues viviendo por esa fe hey. Es fácil vivir cuando no hay nada que hacer Cuando no hay nada que hacer Tan solo vestir, dormir y comer That was Cuban Catholic music group Ojarasca with Todavía. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Michelle Nutso. Don't you just love all this Latin music, Michelle? I do. I love it because it makes me want to dance. And yes. I love to dance. And I really love, you know what I love, Pedro? I love the spirit of uh, Latin, Latin dancing because you can go to these clubs and people are really there for the music. Just, exactly. And it's just, I mean, you can either participate no matter how silly you look because you don't really know the steps <laughs> or you can just sit and absorb it and you can watch it for hours because it's just, it's just, it's just amazing. And you just sort of picture yourself in, in the streets with all these festivals down in Latin America I, and it's just. I grew up in Latin yeah. America and I mean, church is like that. We go to church and we've been listening to church music and, and it's and not that we dance in church, but the music just leads you to move. And so you're actually engaging your whole body in worship, which is what I really like about it. Um, we continue with events. Uh, Winnipeg, I believe. Yes, that's right. Um, the Archdiocese of Winnipeg presents Father Robert Barron, a well-known speaker on the spiritual life and one of the world's most innovative teachers of Catholicism. He began a global media ministry called Word on Fire to evangelize the culture. So if you want to check it out, it's wordonfire.org. He'll be speaking across Winnipeg at three different parishes on the following topics. First, why it makes sense to believe in God, the role of the baptized in the transformation of society, 
and who is Jesus Christ and how do we find life in him. So watch for further details in your church bulletin and again as always on the Archdiocese of Winnipeg website archwinnipeg.ca to find out if he's coming to your parish. Yes Robert Barron, Father Robert Barron, I'm a big fan. Uh, I don't know Michelle you didn't mention his website but if people are interested it's wordonfire.org. I did, yes, wordonfire.org. Great, great ministry coming out of Chicago. On October 3rd, Toronto presents Symposium 2009, Conscience and the Good of Society at the University of St. Michael's College. It's an initiative of the Canadian Catholic Bioethics Institute and the Catholic Civil Rights League with keynote speaker Ian Benson, the executive director of the Center for Cultural Renewal. If you're interested in registering, it's ccbi-utoronto.ca. Salt and Light will be there. I believe Chris Matranko is covering this Excellent. for an upcoming Focus yes. episode. So if you're attending, look out for him. On that same day in Toronto, the Culture of Life Conference, along with the Fellowship of Catholic Scholars, is hosting a conference on many, many topics, among which are euthanasia, the Dead Sea Scrolls, teaching and learning in the post-Catholic university, as well as political and legal discourses. So visit the Archdiocese of Toronto website for more information. Again, that's October 3rd, Culture of Life Conference. In Prince Edward Island, Bishop Greco's installation is happening Monday, September 21st. Bishop Greco will greet people in the foyer of St. Dunstan's Basilica in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, between 4.30 and 5.30. The installation mass will then begin at 6 p.m. So definitely encouraging all you islanders to go out and um, welcome, give a big warm island welcome to yes. uh, Bishop Greco. Um, also, across the country, look out for the 40 Days for Life uh, vigil, which begins this week in many, many cities across the country. You might know more about this, Pedro. Yes, of course, Michelle. We do. You just heard the interview with Rebecca Kiesling, who's coming uh, for the kickoff for the 40 Days for Life to Kitchener on the 22nd and to Toronto on the, sorry, par pardon me, uh, Kitchener on the 21st and Toronto on the 22nd. The 40 Days for Life begins on the 23rd. Seven locations across Canada, uh, Fredericton, Montreal, Toronto, Kitchener, London, Winnipeg, I'm forgetting some, but uh, 40 Days forlife.com is the website. That's right. And if you're if you've never heard of this before, it's an interdenominational and international pro-life campaign um, that has had a tremendous impact in the country and around the world. Yes. And it's led to a significant drop in abortions on almost all locations uh, uh, where it has been held. And the important thing to note is that three uh, components of the 40 Days for Life include prayer and fasting, a peaceful vigil where people stand for life for 40 days outside of an abortion facility. And uh, many cities also incorporate community outreach in that. So it's a very yes. positive, peaceful um, way of bringing about a message absolutely, um, of absolutely. hope and of life. Absolutely. It's not a protest. There, there aren't any angry, judgmental signs. It's very peaceful, very prayerful, and uh, it has been very successful because of that. That's right. You don't have to stand there for 40 days. No. You can just come for one <laughs> yes. or two or, or three or more. Or a couple hours. Yes. Or a couple hours. So um, check out, again, your, your local archdiocesan or diocesan websites uh, to find out if it's happening in your city and if you want to start up. Uh, how do how do you start it this up? This 40daysforlife.com all the uh, all the information is there so it's the number 4040daysforlife.com Perfect. Also to check out across the country, Theology on Tap is starting up again for a new uh, scholastic year. I know for sure it's happening in Toronto and Peterborough and in Calgary, and it might be happening in many other locations. So again, uh, look out on campuses, on bulletins, church bulletins uh, for a Theology on Tap yes. near you. Great so initiative for those great uh, initiative. who like you to like have a little beer beverage. And theology, yes. It's the perfect marriage. Perfect marriage. And you don't have to be Irish. 
So remember to send us your events. Let us know what's happening in your area. We'd be happy to let people know. Send us an email to radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. My name is Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Michelle Nutzo. And if you're looking for some spiritual nourishment, the third season of Lexio Divina with Toronto's Archbishop Thomas Collins begins tomorrow, September 20th on Salt and Light Television. And that's right. It's at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time and repeats again on Wednesday, September 23rd at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This year, Archbishop Collins explores the parables. Um, this is the, the uh, pardon me, the first episode of Lexio Divina, which takes place tomorrow, um, looks at the parables of the hidden treasure, the pearl, and the net. So now, Michelle, mm-hmm. you've been very involved in a project that's coming out soon, um, involving uh, building a house in one day and a trip to Mexico. Can you tell us a bit about yes, that? Yes, I'm very, very, very excited about this project, Pedro. Um, it is a documentary that I had the privilege of working on this year with a group of seven high school students from an all-boys school uh, in Loyola, uh, sorry, in Montreal. So the high school is called Loyola. Uh, high school in Montreal, and uh, these seven students decided to uh, take three days out of their, you know, summer activities, their Mm -hmm. relaxation time, to fly down to one of Mexico's poorest regions known as Ensenada to build a home in one day. And this is the amazing, amazing part because you think, how is that even possible? How do you build a home in one day? So there's a, uh, behind the whole project um, is a man by the name of Tom Pirelli, who's a Loyola alumni, graduated back in the 60s. So (coughs) this project is very close to his heart, as are the students of the school. Um, So it's an amazing story of how he was able to engineer a home that is prefabricated in the local communities to help stimulate the economy, you know, by hiring the locals, um, manufacturing all materials that are produced locally, uh, prefabricated, put on a truck, delivered on site, and down come volunteers for the experience of a lifetime. And I'm not going to say much more than that because I don't want to give it away. It's a really, really powerful story told from their perspective, these teenage uh, guys between the ages of 14 and 16 who just sort of embark on a journey and they don't know what's, what's phenomenal, coming. Phenomenal. So we'll we'll have to keep uh, our listeners posted on when that will air because it's not quite finished yet but it's coming out soon so I wanted to uh, put in a plug there, Michelle. Um, uh, next week we'll be speaking to Joe Zambone, a Catholic artist from Ottawa, about his new album, There and Here. And we also will be talking about the Little Rock Scripture Program. So if you're interested in scripture or learning more about that, tune in. Remember to visit us online at saltandlighttv.org slash radio, where you can listen to and download all our shows. And you can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And, of course, our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. We'd love, love, love to hear from you. Send us your ideas. Send us your commentaries. um, And we'll definitely take them into uh, consideration. We certainly will. So, Michelle, we have time for one more song. And this, of course, is also from Cuba. The song is titled Está Cantando el Martillo, which translates to The Hammer is Singing very interesting concept um, it's again by the group Kerigma and so we'll leave you with that thank you for being with us I'm Michelle Nutzo and I'm Pedro Guevara Man and this has been Salt and Light Radio está cantando el martillo y rueda en tu honor la rueda puede que la luz no pueda 
quitar del humo su brillo Quitar del humo su brillo Que sudoroso y sencillo Te pones al mediodía Dios, está dura por Estar sin pausa creando y verte necesitando del hombre más cada día, del hombre más cada día. ha muerto, que salga la luz y vea si el mundo es o no tarea, de un Dios que sigue despierto, de un Dios que sigue despierto, ya no es un sitio el desierto. Está sin mortajas 